I hope, I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all doing fine by the grace of God. I, I believe God is working in each one of our lives. That is something that will always be there. God is working in us to sanctify us, to make us a better person than we were yesterday. He's working in us to make us a better father, a better son. Or for, for the females, you know, he's working in them to make them a better daughter, a mom, you know, to fulfill every role that they have. God is working in us, strengthening us. And one of my prayers is that God, that every day you would make me a better person. That if there is something in me, is there something in my life? Is there something that I'm failing at? Help me. Help me overcome. Because we all have our personal struggles. Somewhere we may fall short. And our God is so gracious. He loves us so much that he's willing to work in us every day. He's not the God who will work for some time and then say, listen, you're too, too difficult to work with. God is never going to say that, but rather our God is going to come down to rescue us. He'll work in us every single day so that we become more like him. So the process of transformation, sanctification happens till the time we get to see Jesus face to face. So uh, I would like to share a sermon with you along those same lines that will help us check where we stand today and help us to understand what God requires from us and that we have to always stay on track. When I say stay on track, I mean to say that when it comes to the will of God, when it comes to God's plan and purpose, there is, there is a path that is set for us. Many times it may seem like um, there are too many options for us. We can do whatever we want. Now, I don't believe that we can do anything we want. I don't believe that we are some super genius or super... Uh, like a person that can, you know, that is capable of doing anything. I don't believe that. I don't believe we are su superhumans. But rather I believe that God has created each one of us with a plan and a purpose in such a way that we can glorify God in the way, in the plan and the purpose that God has set for us. I, I truly believe that. When we look at the Bible, there are so many different characters. There are so many people that we learn about in the Bible and some of their lives serve as an example for us. It reminds us of why we have to prioritize certain things above our own desires. This evening I want to share with you from the life of Saul who was the first king of Israel. He was a man, he had the stature of a king, he had the stature of a king, he was mighty warrior, he was, he was a great man. You know, overall when you look at Saul, you would say that this man is a king because his walk was like that. He was majestic. He was the tallest. He was a great guy. But you look at the end of his life, it was not as good as his beginning. He started out so well. He was anointed by the Lord, filled with the Spirit of God. He prophesied everything. Wonderful, great things happened in his life. But when it came to the end of his life, it was not the same. It was not the same. In fact, his life had a glorious beginning but a very miserable end. He was the first king to rule Israel, but he failed to be a man who set an example for every king that would come after him. He was, he was physically impressive. Saul was physically impressive. He had the stature of a king, but what he had was the mind of a child. You may say, what do you mean, Pastor? He had the mind of a child? Was he... Mentally underdeveloped? No, that's, what, that's not what I'm talking about. Now, you look at the life of Saul. Saul knew how to wage war. He knew how to overcome the enemy. He knew how to overcome people who came against God and against the nation of Israel. He knew how to overcome the enemy, but he never really overcame the problems that he had inside of him. He never really overcame the problems that he had inside of him. And you know what Saul's biggest problem was? He was not greedy for power. He was not evil like Ahab or other kings in Israel. His problem was impatience. His problem was impatience. Just the opposite of patience. That was, that was his biggest problem. So I'm talking about patience here in the context where we are waiting on God to fulfill something. We are waiting on God to guide us according to his will. We are waiting on God for his timing. I'm talking in that context. So impatience in that area of life 
where instead of waiting for God to move or God to open the door or God to do something, if we try on our own strength and effort, we will definitely fail. Instead, in every step that we take, we must check to see if we are in the will of God, that if we are in God's timing. Because if you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes saying that God has set a time for everything. There is a time to grow, there's a time to sow, there is a time to die, there's a time to be born, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to rejoice. God has set everything, made everything beautiful in its time. So there is a timetable that God has set in our life. But if we try to become impatient, if we try to jump and do according to our own desires, we will find ourselves in a very tough, in a very uh, difficult place. When we look at the life of Saul, though he had the stature of a king, though he was a mighty warrior, he had the mind of a child. The reason I say that is because if you look at children, they're very impatient. They are the best examples of impatience. When my son asks me for something, he does not want it tomorrow, but he wants it right now. When my son asks me for, for a toy, he wants it right now. He's not going to wait. Children do not understand the concept of waiting. And that is why if, if we are impatient, that means we're still a child inside. You look at the life of Saul, it was marked with impatience. There are things that he did, crucial decisions that he had to make. He jumped the gun. He was always impatient. And this impatience, this attitude that Saul had eventually led him to a point where it resulted in Saul and him losing his kingship. Now, do you know something? Do you know something? One of Satan's strategy when it comes to attacking a believer is this. His strategy is to make you become impatient with the will of God. His strategy is to make you become impatient with God's will. I want you to get this in very, very carefully because sometimes we may not understand this truth. Satan's strategy is to make you become impatient with God's will. The prime example we see in the Bible is from the life of Job. If you turn with me to James chapter 5 verse 11, let me put that verse for you on screen. James chapter 5 verse 11. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to that passage as I, as I get the verse for you on screen. James chapter 5, verse 11. James talks about the ones who persevered, the ones who endured. Says like this, says like this, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. What do we see here? What do we see here? The Bible says that we count as blessed those who have persevered. And you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. Now when you look at the story of Job, Job was watched by Satan. And eventually, we know the conversation that happens between Satan and God. Finally, God allows Satan in his sovereign will to do certain things. And you look at what Satan's goal was here. Not really to destroy him, but to drive Job to a point where he will become impatient with God. Satan's goal was that. His goal was to make Job become impatient with God. If you're wondering where that verse is, in Job 1.9, it says like this, Satan telling God, does Job fear God for nothing? Does, does Job fear you for nothing? In other words, he's saying, you've given him so many benefits, you've given him so many blessings, now take all of this away. Let all of this disappear overnight and see what's going to happen. That, is, that was Job's, that was Satan's concept. That was what he was focusing on. It is to drive Job to a point where he will become impatient with God and that he will lose his faith. That is what Satan wanted. But you look at the life of Job, though he was pushed to the limits, he endured. He persevered to the very end. <clears throat> 
Church, let me tell you this. Christian life is a life of endurance. It's a race where we have to endure. It's not the fastest. It's not the strongest that wins, but he who endures. It's not the fastest. It's not the talented. It's not the one that can speak well or preach well or, or teach well, but the one who can endure till the very end. Now, in this journey of life, times will come when we will feel like, God, I wish you could do this faster. I wish you could do this much more sooner than expected. We will say, God, I wish you could bless me this way. I wish you could do this in my life. We make those prayers because somewhere we are growing impatient. Somewhere we are growing impatient in our life. But that is where, that is where we have to really hold on to the Lord and say, God, no matter what delay is there in my life, I choose to depend on your timing. I choose to focus on your timing for my life. This, this past week, some thoughts were running through my mind. The thoughts were that I, I was thinking to myself, oh, I, I wish more people attended my church. And as I was thinking those thoughts, the next set of thoughts were like, maybe I'm not doing enough to bring in more people to the church. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that just to add more people to the church. When all those thoughts were running through my mind, I felt that God has his timing, his ways in through which he will grow the church. But my task in all of this is to remain faithful and to be committed to the Lord. You see, when we start doing something and we don't see immediate progress in our life, we think to ourselves, maybe I'm a failure. We think to ourselves that maybe God is not blessing me like the other person. You know, today if you go on Instagram and if you look, everybody's successful on, on Instagram. On social media, everybody is wonderful. On social media, everybody is successful. Everybody is doing well, doing great and awesome. It feels like yesterday they started their business and today they've got a million dollars. And then you start your own business, you have nothing. You'll be wondering, God, what am I? You know, am, I am I good enough? Am I a person that is capable of doing anything? Sometimes all these questions will come to us. But the reality is, the way life works is that there is always a waiting period. There is always a waiting period. Some of us may not like to hear about the waiting period, but let me tell you, in God's kingdom, there is a waiting period. In God's plan, there is a waiting period. Sometimes we might feel like, Lord, how long? Some of you have been waiting for too long for a breakthrough. As a result, some of you, since you've not been seeing any change or any progress happen, you are growing weak and weary in your faith. But can I encourage you something today? Can I encourage you something today? Hold on to the Lord because help is on the way. God will turn your dead, your hopeless, your lifeless situation into a glorious one. Don't lose hope. It's easy to give up, but don't give up. Don't become impatient. See, it's very easy to be impatient. It's very easy. You look at a child, they'll be impatient every single day. I mean, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. They want something and they want it right now. Uh, two weeks ago, God gave us a second child. It's just wonderful experience. But since I have an elder son... My eldest son also wants to enjoy that experience. So his, his way of enjoying it is to touch him, is to play with him, is to kiss him, is to bite his nose. He tries to do all of that. And sometimes I tell him, you know, Jeremy, listen, just, just wait, just wait. God, you know, it's a newborn baby. It's a newborn baby, just a few days, just a week old. I tell him, wait, but he cannot wait. That's how children are. That is how a person before maturity is. It's very easy to act impatient. It's very easy to jump the gun or go against what God has for us. But we have to always take the difficult path where we say, God, I know no matter how much it's going to be delayed, I'm still going to rely on you. I'm still going to trust on you. I'm still going to hold on to you. I tell you, when we are patient, when we are waiting on the Lord, we will see God meet our needs. We will see God do a great thing in our life. We will experience the wonders of God's work in our life. But, but if we grow impatient, impatience will cause a great loss in our life. In fact, 
impatience. When, whenever we are impatient, there is always a price to pay. You see, when you look at the life of Saul, when you look at the life of Saul, what's happening here is that in his life, whenever he grew impatient, he had a price to pay. He paid a certain kind of price. And he kept losing, kept losing. The biggest difference between the first king of Israel, Saul, and the second king of Israel is that David was a man who made mistakes. He made mistakes. He was not perfect in any way, but he made mistakes. However, when he made mistake, when he realized his sin, he would immediately fall prostrate before the Lord. But Saul was not like that. Even though he knew he makes his, made mistakes, he would still not try to fix things. He will still have his own way of justifying, saying, oh, no, 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 that's not how it works. That's not how it's supposed to happen. He'll still have his own way of justifying the situation. And that is what we see going wrong one after another in the life of Saul. Because though he was making mistakes, he never really came back to God, but continued to persist in his own way. And you see, that is what impatience can actually do to you. It'll make you go in your own way because you'll feel like what I'm doing and what I'm doing right now is the best thing for me. That's what you'll feel like. You know, you'll always feel like that the path that you're taking is always going to be a good one. And so in any case, when we are impatient, we have to pay a price. Now, I want to, I want to take you through the life of Saul and share with you Three things that Saul lost due to impatience. Three things that Saul lost due to impatience. The first thing that Saul lost was this. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. Let me read this verse for you. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. What is God saying through the prophet Samuel? Your kingdom will not endure. Why? Because God has sought out a man after his own heart. Now, if you look at this story in this first incident in 1 Samuel chapter 13, what happens is God became really upset with Saul. Because what happens in this story is that the Philistines had gathered to fight. And you look at the number of the Philistines in the story, they were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. That is how the Bible describes the Philistine army. So the Israelites see the army and they're afraid. They're, they're terrified. And whenever they would go for war, they had this usual practice of, of offering sacrifices before the Lord. And this sacrifice can be offered only by a prophet or a priest. Only they can offer the sacrifice to the Lord. They're the only ones who are authorized. So Samuel is a prophet here. And, 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 and Samuel had given a time to Saul saying, I'm going to come within seven days. Day one, Samuel didn't show up. Day two, Saul is waiting, Samuel didn't show up. Day three, didn't show up. What happens is eventually... People become restless. And if you read 1 Samuel chapter 13 verse 8, it says like this, He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. We are waiting on the Lord for something. We want God to do something in our life. But since it's not happening, we are seeing certain things go wrong. And in that moment, that is where we act out of impatience. But let me tell you, moments like that are actually a testing ground for our faithfulness towards God. I believe what's happening here is that God was testing Saul, testing his heart, testing him to see if he would remain faithful to the word of God. But he didn't. What he does is that he sees people leaving. You know, sometimes when you prioritize people in your life, you can never walk in the will of God because people will often... <laughs> They'll drag you in the opposite direction. They'll make you go in the opposite direction, make you do things other than the will of God. You, you see what's happening here. You see what's happening in the story. Saul saw that people were leaving. The men began to scatter. And what he does is that he immediately offers sacrifice all by himself. 
And just when he finishes offering the sacrifice, Samuel shows up. It's like just when we jump the gun and try to do everything on our own and try to finish and feel like we've done something, that is when we will realize that what we have done is a foolish thing. Because that is the moment when God will come through to do something in our life. But we would have done something already. Saul does the, offers the sacrifice and after everything, Samuel shows up. And you read verse 13, Samuel said, You have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God that he gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. And verse 14, but now your kingdom will not endure. Why? Because the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You see what's happening in the story. You see what's happening here. God takes away the kingdom away from Saul. What Saul lost here was that he lost the blessings of kingship. Now, this doesn't mean that he immediately was taken away from his post as a king. That didn't happen immediately. It was another 20, 30 years uh, before, a long time before that could happen. But what God is telling here through Samuel the prophet is this, that your legacy will not endure forever. Your blessings that are supposed to go to the next generation will not be available to you. See, every, every king at that point, at that time, would desire that their son would take over and continue in that role, that their generations will continue in that role. That is something that David prayed for, and God gave him that. God always gave David a line, and through that line is what Jesus came. So though the line of David was sinful and wicked, God kept the promise that he gave to David, that his, his, his family will rule, they'll be on the throne forever. And so you, you look at the life of Saul, Saul lost his legacy. He lost the generational blessings that he could have received. He lost it. You see, when, when we become impatient and we do something, we don't realize what we are losing. What we are losing because when you look at Saul, it's, it's not like he was like really feeling bad or falling at the feet of God and begging for mercy, all of that. He was not worried about that because... It, it, it seems as if this man was more uh, of a kind of person who was gratifying himself, where he, if he wants something to do, he wants it to be done right now. No more waiting, no waiting for long periods, just has to be done right now. But God says, but now your kingdom will not endure. What this means for us is that when we grow impatient and when we take matters into our own hand, we might lose the position and even the benefits that come with it. We might lose the generational blessings. We might lose the blessings that would come over our children and their children. I, I wonder where our life is today. Are we impatient with the Lord's timings? Are we telling the Lord God, there is so much of delay, I cannot bear this anymore, it's too difficult for me? I look at the life of Job, what if he had given up? What if he had said, God, I give up? I give up. I've been faithful to you. In fact, in one of the passages, he says, I've not looked at a woman with lust, a young woman. He's kept himself pure. He would offer sacrifices before the Lord. He was one of the early characters in the Old Testament. He was a man, righteous. God says, there is no one as righteous as him. He's blameless. He lived a good life. This man lived a good life. He was prosperous, everything. But when he loses it all, he waits on the Lord. He does not give up his faith. And, and in some passages when you read, he almost comes to that point, but still holds on to the Lord. I tell you, in life, we will be pushed to the limits. We will be pushed to the limits beyond our strength. Sometimes you may ask yourself, is this what God wants for my life? Because I feel I cannot do this anymore. Is this what God really desires from me? I feel I cannot do this anymore. You thought to yourself, I got married. I, I wish... You know, I was always dreaming of having children, but now two years have gone, three years have gone, four years have gone, five years have gone, and no child. How long does God want me to wait? I thought my life would turn out this way. I thought my life will be glorious. I thought my life will be this. I dreamt of a perfect life, but everything is just the opposite. How long should I wait? That may be something that you're praying about. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Wait. 
till it happens. I know this is not an easy word to digest, but wait till it happens because when God comes through, I tell you, you will be filled with joy beyond your understanding. When God comes through in your life, he will bless you and give you a double portion. You look at the life of Job, God blessed him and doubled his blessings. More than all that he had, everything that he had was doubled. He was, he was prosperous in the land before, he lost everything and then he became double prosperous. He had a billion dollars before, he lost everything, now he has two billion dollars. He was rich, he was wealthy, he was prosperous because he learned to wait on the Lord. Even though nothing made sense, one of the things that Job says is, I know I know, I go to the south, I don't see him. I go to the west, I don't see him. But I know he's at work in my life. I don't sense him, but I know he's at work in my life. And he says in one passage, even if the skin of my teeth is destroyed, I know I'll still see my Redeemer face to face. On that day, I will see him. He knew that even if he dies in this state of life, it's okay. That's the, that's the commitment that God wants us to come to. And that is why God is pushing us to the limits where we will say, God, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what I face in my life, I'm going to hold on to you. That is what God desires from you. God was testing Saul here if, it, if he would keep the commands of the Lord. But you see, Saul failed. And as a result, God said, your kingdom will not endure forever. So when we grow impatient, we will lose the blessings of the Lord and we will lose even the blessings that will come on our next generation. The second thing I want to take you through this, the second thing that Saul lost was this. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 14. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 14. It says like this, Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now what's happening to, what's happening to Saul? An evil spirit from the Lord had tormented him because the spirit that God had poured out on him had departed from him. When a person is anointed, what happens is he has the guidance of the spirit of God. You look at this full story. The summary of this incident is that he disobeyed God. He disobeyed God. Now, instead of, instead of destroying the Amalekites, because God sent him to destroy the Amalekites, what he does is that he keeps them alive. He keeps the best of their sheep. He keeps the king alive. And what happens here is that he disobeys God's command. And Samuel comes, and when Samuel comes, he hears the sound of sheep and goats, and, and he's asking, what is this I hear? What is the bleating of sheep and the, and the animals that I hear? What is this? And Samuel, so, and, and Saul immediately says, oh, oh, I've kept the best of the best as an offering to the Lord. And in this passage, Samuel talks about obedience that is better than sacrifice. Sometimes we may think, I want to give the best for the Lord, so I'm going to do this, do this, do this, and that I'm going to give. Is God really interested in what you give? I tell you no. But what God is really interested is in your obedience. God was constantly testing Saul to see if he was an obedient man, but he failed in that test. And in this passage in chapter 16, when he failed, what he loses is that he loses the anointing of God. You see, when the anointing of God comes on us, we become a different person. In 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 6, this is in the early days of Saul. In the beginning life of the beginning stages of Saul, what we see here is this. In 1 Samuel 10 6, it says like this. Let me put that verse for you on screen. The spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. So you look at the life of, of, of Saul. What we see here, the spirit of, Lord, of the Lord came upon him and he was changed into a different person. So he went from being an ordinary person who was taking care of his father's flock to a person 
who took care of Israel. So he went from ordinary to a big responsibility. And with that big responsibility came the anointing of the Lord. If you look at the definition of anointing, it is, it is an application of oil. You know, the priest would pour out the oil on that person. And what would happen is as they pour out that oil, there is a significance. The significance is that this person is now singled out by God for a special favor or a special responsibility. And so what this means for us today is that in the New Testament, as, as New Testament believers, we have the anointing of the Lord. In 1 John 2 verse 27, 1 John 2 27, it says like this, As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that his anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So whenever the anointing of the Lord comes on us, we receive the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and we are taught, we are counseled by the Holy Spirit. Now, some will use this verse to say, well, I have the anointing of the Lord, I have the anointing of the Lord, and so I don't need anybody to teach me about God's word, because the anointing of the Lord will teach me. Now that's not what the point here is, that's not what the point here is. God is appointed teachers in the Bible, they were teachers of the word, and, and the book is, Bible is very clear about that in 1 Corinthians 11, that some are called to be prophets, some are called to be teachers, so there are there is a need to learn the Bible from Bible teachers, from pastors. That's very important. But what, what happens is when the anointing of the Lord comes on us, we will have a guidance from the Lord. We will have guidance from the Lord. But if we remain disobedient, what will happen is we will lose that guidance, which means we will lose the anointing of God over our life. And eventually, the result of that will be that the voice of God will almost become non-existent in our life and we will lose the guidance of God in everything. But rather, we will become led by our own feeling, feelings. You look at the life of David. David made mistakes. He made mistakes. But one of the things that he prays is, God, don't take your spirit away from me. Do not take thy spirit from me. But restore unto me the joy of my salvation. David prayed saying, God, I know I've done the sin. Cleanse me with his soap. I know I've failed. But Lord, I cannot do this without your spirit. Please don't take your spirit away from me. What happened to Saul is that the spirit of the Lord left him and he lost his mind. Uh, we see that in certain incidents. What happened is uh, David is called to play the harp when the spirit was tormenting him. And as he was being tormented by the spirit, he would take the spear and try to kill David. He was behaving like a crazy man. But what surprises me as I study about the life of Saul is that in spite of all this, in spite of all this, he never really repented. But rather continued down that path. You know, there are, there are some people in this world who believe they do no sins. They don't commit sins at all. And they believe no matter what happens, it's just like a, like a they, they just tripped, you know. Going on the road, you trip over a stone, but you keep going. They never really understand that they were, they were not putting their step in the right direction. Uh, that is why they tripped and fell. They won't think of all that. But rather they will think it's someone else's fault. Probably Saul was like that. Probably Saul thought, oh, it's because of that person or that person or Samuel didn't come on time or he didn't do this on time. Oh, this seemed good. I felt good about this. He was more focused on that. But what God desired from him is a simple obedience. Is a simple obedience. Even when, when he failed and fell short of God's righteous requirements, he never really fixed himself, but rather really went on with the flow. Went on with the flow. The result of that is that he lost his anointing. He lost his anointing. This is what happens when you are impatient. When you're impatient, you will continue to do mistakes and you will keep justifying those mistakes and eventually to a point where you will lose God's anointing over your life. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you might be experiencing. But I want to encourage you that do not lose the anointing. Do not lose the guidance of the Holy Spirit. For Christians 
who are genuinely walking in the Lord, losing the anointing of the Lord, losing the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is, is equal to dying, equal to just a death. Um, that's it, no more. You're just gone. David understood the value of the anointing and he said, God, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. When we are impatient, when we try to do everything in our own plan, own will, instead of waiting on God's will and plan for our lives, we will always find ourselves in a position where we are doing certain things, we are compromising to fulfill certain things. And that compromise will always lead us towards committing sin against the Lord and that eventually will result in us losing the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So Saul lost the guidance of God. God stopped speaking to him and there was no conviction in his life. But Saul being Saul continued, continued on living that way and eventually something worse happens. And this is the third point I want to share with you. When you look at the life of Saul, if we go to 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 19, here's what happens. 1 Samuel 28, 19. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Now, who's speaking these words? It is Samuel the prophet. But if you look at the chapter at this time, by this time Samuel is dead and gone. He's, he's died, he's passed away already, he was buried in his hometown. Everything is over with Samuel. However, Samuel speaks at the end. Now, how is this possible? What's happening here? In chapter 28, we see that Saul, in this situation, there is the Philistine army that he's facing and he has to go for battle. But before he goes for battle, he is seeking for a word from the Lord. He's seeking something from the Lord to tell him that, yes, you can go ahead or just to receive a word from the Lord. But sadly, Saul had no prophet to guide him. So God did not speak, speak to him through dreams or through Urim or through the prophets. Everything was gone. So finally what he does is that he goes in search of a sorcerer. He goes in search of a witch so that he can receive some illegal revelation about what's going to happen in his future. Uh, so basically, uh, prophets in the Bible and witch and sorcerers, prophets were like the legal persons who were appointed by God to receive from him, but the, the, the sorcerers and witch were like the illegal ones. They were going through a different door, a back door, you can call it. And, and what happened here is that if you look at the life of Saul, earlier he had destroyed the witches and the sorcerers from his kingdom. He had abandoned them. He had, he had chased them out of the land. But somehow one, one lady remained and Saul, who at one point sent these people away, now is going back to them. He disguised himself and goes to this lady and this lady asks him, what can I do for you? And Saul says, bring up the spirit of Samuel. And, and when, when, when Saul asked for it and when, he, and when this lady did her own magic and incantations, the spirit of Samuel comes up. And when this lady sees that, she is trembled with fear because she figures out the person who asked him for the spirit of Samuel was actually Saul himself because Saul had disguised his appearance when coming to this woman. So what really hap is happening in the story is something that God has prohibited in the Bible. So God's people cannot go to astrologers or, or to necromancers or people who deal with all these kinds of things. But what we see something very peculiar is that Saul asks for the spirit of Samuel and so a spirit comes up and everything that the spirit says happens accurately. The question that many ask is, can, can this really happen? Can a dead person come up and prophesy what's going to happen? Now, I don't believe that witches and necromancers and people who are into that field can do such things. Even if they do, that will be a, a, a spirit of an evil one disguising as that person. That is how it usually happens. But if we pay careful attention in this case, what really happens is that this is what I believe is happening here. As I studied the word, I realized that God in this situation allows the spirit of Samuel to come up to give a message from him. Now, although this may seem like a situation that's 
a person who is not in the Lord is involved with. God, however, in his sovereign will, supersedes all that. And he, and he, and he reveals certain things to Saul about what's going to happen to him tomorrow. And that is where we see Samuel saying to Saul that the Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. It's, it's not, Saul is not, sorry, Samuel is not calling them to a party and say, you're going to come with me and enjoy. No, he's calling them to the grave. In other words, simply means that you and your sons tomorrow will be destroyed. Now, as I look at this story, I wonder if, if only Saul, Saul could have waited and said, you know what, I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I'm just going to be patient. I'm just going to, I know God is not speaking to me. I know there's no prophet. I know there's no guidance through the Urim. I know there is no dreams or visions. Let me just wait. If God wants to grant victory, let him grant. If he doesn't want, let it be so. And he could have done that. But Saul being Saul, he wanted what he wanted right now. He was desperate. He jumped the gun out of impatience goes to visit a witch. And what happens as a result of that is that he loses his very own life. Very own life. You see, what that, what that means to us today is that if we always continue down the path of impatience, God will keep warning us, saying, listen, don't do this, don't do this. He'll keep warning us. But if we continue down the path of impatience, what will happen is that we will experience a spiritual death. For Saul, in the story, this was the end of his life. And he died in a horrible way. He didn't want the Philistines to kill him. So he puts the sword, falls on the sword. And later what happens is, even after falling on the sword, he doesn't die. That's, that's the worst part. It's like the sword has gone, gone down into his system, into his body, but he's still alive. And I, I think in one of the chapters he says, I'm, I'm in, the, in, the, in the, it's a very specific word. It's like, I wanted to die, but I'm still alive. And he asks an Amalekite to come and kill him. And so the Amalekite comes and kills Saul. A very terrible way to die. Look at the life of Saul. It was marked with impatience. The cost of impatience in life, in Saul's life, was death. He died in warfare. And I believe in our life, if we continue down the path of impatience, continue to do everything in our own timing, in our own will, instead of waiting on the Lord, we will experience a spiritual death. Many times we think waiting is a waste of time, but waiting is actually a very productive time. Because in, this, in those process, in that process of waiting, God will reveal a lot of things to us. He will, he will minister to us in a very specific way. He will mold us and shape us in a very particular way. But if we continue to just hold on to our own thinking and saying that it has to happen at this time in the way I want and all of this, eventually we will be led down a path. Led down a path where we will lose the blessings, the anointing of the Lord, and finally we will lose our own life. Let me tell you this. It's not worth losing the call of God. It's not worth losing the anointing of God. It's not worth losing the blessings of God. Many times we, we quit. We give up just about when things are about to change. We don't quit in the early stages. We don't quit somewhere halfway through. But we quit. We give up just at the last moment. Just at the last moment. I saw this picture recently of two men digging through a mine, digging through a mine. So there was one man who was digging, 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 didn't find anything. The other man was also was digging. Finally, the first person, the first man gives up. But the second man, he continues, he persists, even though nothing happens, eventually he finds gold, he finds the things that he wants. And in that illustration, a picture of the first person was shown that he digged, he dug through, finally, he's just maybe a feet away from the treasure, feet away from what he wanted. You know, that can be our life. We'll, we'll come to the last moment, to the last stage and say, God, I cannot do this anymore. But you know what God expects from you? He will say, son, daughter, I know it's difficult, but go on. I know it's difficult, I know it's challenging, I know every day is a struggle, but go on. 
Because when we go on in spite of the troubles, in spite of the challenges, we will truly see God at work in our life. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you might be experiencing, what you might be going through. I truly believe God wants you to know that waiting is a very productive task. Waiting is a very good thing to do. Waiting, in fact, is a great blessing in your life. If you're in a season of waiting, I tell you that you are blessed. If you're waiting on the Lord for something, I tell you that you are blessed. Be patient. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary, walk and not faint. I tell you, church, I tell you that you will be empowered by the Spirit of God if you can wait. But if you become impatient, but if you become impatient, you have a big price to pay. I don't know where you are today, but I encourage you to become patient. I encourage you to become patient and wait on the Lord. God will help you. God will strengthen you. Can we close our eyes in prayer? Can we spend a few minutes in prayer? Can we ask the Lord, Jesus, strengthen my heart today, strengthen my mind today because I feel like I'm losing myself. I feel like I'm about to give up. I feel like there is nothing more in me. I have no resource. I've exhausted everything. Everything's gone. I don't know what is the point of even waiting. Maybe that's what you're saying today. God wants you to know that there is a benefit in waiting. You may have reached the end of everything. You may have exhausted everything. You may have nothing for tomorrow, but God says, wait. You may be experiencing drought, lack, famine in your life. And you're, God, you're saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to do for my next meal. But God says, wait. Wait on me. Wait on me. You may say, I don't know how I'm going to handle tomorrow. God says, I'm going to take care of it for you. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, but the heavenly father, their heavenly father feeds them. Jesus reminds us that we are more valuable than the birds of the air. If God can feed the birds, if God can clothe the plants of the field, how much more will he do for us? Why do, we, why do we get so worried? Why are we so worried about the situation that we are facing? Instead, can we tell the Lord, Jesus, would you help me? Would you help me right now? Would you help me so that I will not focus on what's not happening, but rather I'll focus on what is happening in my life? Can we tell him today? I know, Lord, I face a lot of difficulty, challenges that are coming my, coming my way. But I want to focus on you. I want to be focused on you. Help me to wait. Can we make that our prayer? Lord, help me to wait. Lord, help me to wait on you. Help me to wait on you, O oh God. It may seem difficult. It may seem impossible. But help me to wait on you. Some of you are praying, Lord, how long should I wait? How long should I wait for a child? Why, cannot, why can't you do that in my life today? But God says, wait. There is something that I'm doing in your life that is beyond your understanding. See, one thing you can learn from the life of Job is this. That you cannot understand everything about God's plan and purpose. Job asks God questions. And God finally responds back with more questions. God simply makes him know that he is God. He will do whatever he wills and desires and no one can question him. Sometimes we think I can question God. I can say this. I can say that. I can find out answers. Let us stop playing games with God and let us ask God. Let's ask him, Jesus, would you strengthen me today? That no matter what comes my way, no matter what I face, I will still keep walking by faith. That no matter what comes my way, I will still keep walking by faith and not by sight. Oh, hallelujah. I believe God is strengthening some of you right now. Would you just lift your hands with me and say, Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen me so that I can wait on you. Strengthen me so that I can, I can wait patiently for your plan and purpose for my life. Help me, God, I pray. Help me, God, I pray. Help us, O oh Lord, we pray. Help us, O oh Lord, we pray. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. 
we thank you master we thank you lord heavenly father we thank you for speaking to us and ministering to us through your word thank you that you have reminded that our life is not over yet though the situation tells us that we have lost that we are a failure but we know that we are still victorious because of you and because of what you've done for us on the cross and lord right now we pray for your continued blessings over us for your protection over us for your strength over us so that we may wait on you that we may be patient on you so that you will full so that you can do what you will to do in our life help us lord we pray help us to walk by faith every day help us to never depend on the circumstance help us to never give in to the pressure of people around us but rather to know that there is something that you're doing in our life and that we have to be committed and faithful to you thank you for all that you've spoken to us today through your word thank you for reminding us of these valuable truths help us not just to be hearers of the word but to be people who will do what the word says and help us to live by it every day we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you are going to do in jesus name we pray amen and amen 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 god bless you thank you for joining us today i hope and pray that that you would wait on the lord that you would strengthen yourself in the lord amen if you need any prayers or any prayer any any counseling let us know we are here for you we would love to help you and guide you according to god's word and if you'd like to give an offering you can do so by clicking on the link that is sent to you through whatsapp or you can visit our website hopecity.org.in/give that's our website that's our link when you go there you can give as you choose amen Thank you for joining us. Can we close our eyes for the benediction? May the love of the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us for now and forevermore. Amen and amen.